Today we're meeting Mike and Victoria Steele. They live in Southern California, and they are a wonderful, fun couple. They now have two married sons, and both are from backgrounds of clearly defined religious cultures with very strong family connections behind them. And their story has elements of a rom-com with a bit of adventure, daring, maybe some laughs, and eventually a very surprising spiritual harmony. Sit back and enjoy meeting Mike and Victoria Steele. Um, with me today, Victoria and Mike Steele. Victoria is a teacher and Mike is a lawyer. Um, Victoria, high school, middle school? High school. High school. Okay. So definitely in the, the thick of things. <laughs> um, and um, I wanted to, I've known these two for a while. They're, they're just a, a, a tremendous couple um, who've really given themselves to especially a, a younger generation and, and caring about them. Let me ask you guys, um, Victoria, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your, your spiritual background, your family growing up. So I come from a really large Hispanic Filipino family. So um, my father, though, was a Vietnam vet, hippie, uh, married my Filipino Hispanic mother. And so... Um, the home was a lot of like karma and just a lot of, you know, you know, don't think you're going to get sick. You won't get sick. Um, and my dad, you know, had a lot of, you know, ideas about how um, he wanted me to be raised and he wanted me to have just a lot of freedom. And my mom <laughs> coming from a really strict home wasn't used to that. So there was a lot of conflict there in light of me being just super wild anyways. So that helps. Um, I didn't, I had a lot of seeds planted where people would talk to me about God and talk to me about Jesus. And then I had people in high school who became Christians and I wasn't sure what that meant. And they kind of told me. And then um, I went away to college, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and it was my first quarter. And I went to like a fair, like one of those fairs they have about all the clubs. And there was a Bible club there. And I remember like connecting with them. That was the beginning of this quarter. It's a 12 weeks quarter. And then by the end of the quarter, I had a psychology class, which is really interesting. I had a psychology class that I never went to. And then I went and took the final. Well, that didn't really work out for me. Um, but there was some guy sitting next to me and I said, do you know what time it is? And he was a senior and I was a freshman and he showed me the time. And then he just started talking to me afterwards and he's like, you know, what's up with you? Like, I've never seen you in the class. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't really come. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he kind of just started inviting me to church. And then um, that was the first time I remember like very specifically, like I, I had a Bible from the past and I remember like opening my Bible and it being very clear what it meant to be a Christian, just with what people had said. So it was my first quarter um, of college, and that is when I became a Christian and I confessed, you know, I knew that karma just wasn't working out for me. It's like, oh my gosh, I cannot keep up. Like, I have so much bad karma <laughs> coming my way. I just can't keep up. And it was so refreshing just to have, like God say, cast your cares upon me, you know, and 
to, you know, have full forgiveness. Where did that happen, by the way? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in, um, I guess, Central California, like Paso Robles area, King City, Salinas, Monterey, that area. Okay. So we grew up out in the country off the grid. My dad was really into like growing his own food. And he said that the, he said that the, um, basically the economy was going to fall and everything was going to fail, but we could like, we had our own place to grow food. We had a cow we had. So that's kind of how I grew up with just this constant, like, Oh, we're going to go into mass, you know, for a while we lived in, I don't remember this, but we did live in a commune in Utah with some Mormons for a while. And my dad was really good friends with like some Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. And they were all just really good friends. But they were also Jewish people growing up. Let me. So my doctor, Dr. Greenberg, he was my doctor and he was, I grew up in a small rural town and he was just the best doctor and the sweetest man. And yeah, and he was married to a Hispanic woman. And yeah, he was my doctor since I was really little. And I think even when my son got sick, you know, years ago, my son was, he got pneumonia while we were visiting my parents in Central California. And so he, I think he was one of the doctors at the. Did you have any kind of a, um, an idea who the Jewish people were or um, a general cultural association with Jewish people? Well, what happened was, so I was a new believer And then I kind of got involved with like a really strict kind of Greek Orthodox church, but they were like an offshoot. And so they really taught the Bible, but like also kind of like wanted you to live together and they wanted you to live in community. So they also had like a summer school out here in Southern California. So I went to that and I always heard from the leaders, like the, the Jewish people were the apple of the Lord's eye and, you know, they're God's people. So I always had such a like a heart for them. And I always, um, it's interesting. I, I used to read over and over Heinz feet in high places. And it wasn't later that I realized that she ministered to a lot of Jewish people, but that was like one of my favorite books when I was Mm. a new believer. Okay. So, I mean, I had such reverence for them and knew like, you know, that they were God's chosen people. And you came to faith. You didn't have, other than your doctor, you didn't have a... I didn't. Um, okay. I, I mean, I'm thinking and I just didn't, no. Okay. Well, let's, I want to pivot over to this really handsome, burly guy across the <laughs> screen here. Mike, where'd you grow up? What was it like spiritually? Tell us a little bit about your background. So I grew up in Anaheim, California, in the home of Disneyland and the Angels. Um, and I had one brother, uh, six years older, and you know, my parents were both Jewish. So I, um, you know, I say born and raised Jewish. We early, when I was younger, maybe five or six, I remember going, we went to a conservative temple, Temple Beth Amet in Anaheim. And I remember going pretty regularly to like Friday night services. And I think maybe when my brother either started junior high or high school, um, he was bar mitzvah. But after that, we didn't go as regularly. It was more, um, a high holy days or, um, things like that. I do, did go in the summer to like the day camp, you know, I, as a, as a, you know, as a camper, I don't know what they're called anymore. That's just my lexicon, but, um, 
And, you know, I was like a, 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 a ATL, but so anyway, you're, you're I was, you're a camp counselor. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so growing up, you know, so obviously I knew I was Jewish, had the identity, you know, Hanukkah, Passover, the major holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And I was studying, I was going to be Mar Mitzvah. I was supposed to be Mar Bar Mitzvah at the Wailing Wall. Um, it would have been in, I think in 1986. And your, your family was going to travel to Israel so that you could have a Bar Mitzvah at the... Correct. The Wailing Wall at the the platform, the remnant of the temple in Israel. Right. And yeah. so we hooked up with the local Chabad where they trained me because if, you know, since I wasn't going to be bar mitzvahed locally, we needed someone to kind of help train. You might, so you might need to explain what Chabad is. Okay. Chabad is, um, an Orthodox Jewish, you know, they're, um, you know, always wear the kippah, the, the tzitzits, you know, the, the shawl. Head covering tzitzits. Head covering. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I'm sure everybody's, everybody's knows what we're talking about here. Yeah. But, so they're, um, they're an Orthodox Jewish group that, that trains kids for bar mitzvah. I mean, the local one did for me. So, okay. um, the, the local rabbi, the teacher was training me and it turns out, I don't, no, remember now, but something happened, some civil unrest in Israel where we had to cancel the trip. So I ended up doing it locally, but I did have an Orthodox bar mitzvah. So it's a little unusual from what I grew up because Orthodox, you know, men and women can't be, you know, in the same place. So we were in separated men on one side, women on the other. Um, that's, and then, that's really interesting. Why Your parents attended a conservative synagogue, but you had an Orthodox Bar Mitzvah. Correct. And and again, the reason why is because I think that the rabbi at the conservative wouldn't train me for Bar Mitzvah since we weren't planning to be Bar Mitzvah at the local temple. So we somehow my dad hooked up with Chabad who agreed to train me. I was going to do it in Israel, but that didn't happen. So we just went forward with an Orthodox Bar Mitzvah. Right. And, and that's it, the way it would have been in Israel. Now I got it. Okay. Right. Would have been Orthodox. Um, so after that, it was junior high. And, you know, I think going to temple became less frequent, more again, just the high holy days, um, you know, graduated high school, went to college, and it was in my second year as a sophomore summer. So between my summer and junior year, that's when I met Victoria. Who should start telling that story, how you guys met and got together? Um, I don't know, probably, probably Mike. Okay. Okay. So it was, uh, this, um, it was May 31st, 1993. It was Memorial day and I was working at a water slide in Anaheim. It was like a miniature golf course that had like a standalone water slide. I was a supervisor lifeguard and on Memorial day, I think it was like the first time it was open sort of leading into summer. There was a new person working and it was, uh, uh, a girl, Victoria, I'd never met her. So that, that was our first introduction was May 31st of 1993. And she had a job also at Bank of America as a teller. So she only worked part-time at the waterside. That was my full-time. So she was only there two days a week, but we had an instant connection where we just started talking, you know, every time we worked together since, you know, I made the schedule and there was different shifts that we could do. I sort of always made made it the way that we were always together on the same shift, whether we were down okay. doing the pool, she was a lifeguard. And we just I actually started. just learned that recently. 
Like <laughs> probably in the last six months, I learned that. And we've been married 27 years. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you did that. That's so cute. So, yeah. Wait, wait, I mean, wait, one, of the, one of the questions for you before you go on with it. Yeah. Were you, um, were you a, a power lifter at that time like you are now? Uh, you know, I did play water polo in college. So, yeah, I was um, in really good shape. I was playing water polo, lifting weights. You know, we had strength trainers at the, the college at the time. The college I went to, they were like at least top five in water polo in the in the nation. I mean, I wasn't on the varsity, but I was still part of the program. So, we had like the top strength trainer. So, yeah, I was I was in pretty good shape and pretty strong. But um. So, yeah, so we just, we just had this instant connection and basically talked and, you know, I found out that Victoria was part of a church that was, you know, strict and, but I I didn't really get to, I just knew she was a Christian. I didn't really know much more than that. Um, I found out. What do you mean by strict? Like they didn't, I think they were encouraged almost like, um, arranged marriages. They didn't believe. Yeah. They're, they're in a book. I'm not going to give the name, but they are in a fringe like cult book (laughs) they've been identified and broken up since but I mean it was mainly the way they treated their members but they Mm -hmm. did teach the word of God like I mean that's all we did was the word of God no extra books just like studying the word studying the word but Mike you you hear she's part of that church and there's there's a barrier to the culture of that church for you is that right yeah I mean I, I for honestly for me it was probably more of her barrier to me as opposed to vice versa. I mean, my mom, you know what I always say, like, oh, if you meet a nice Jewish girl, but I never really f- felt the sense or obligation that if I didn't marry someone who was Jewish, it would be a problem. Like my, I never got that sense growing up. So, and my brother had been married before and, you know, was married at the time to a non Jewish person. So it didn't, I, again, it wasn't from my perspective, it wasn't necessarily a barrier other than I knew she was a Christian and believed in Jesus that I didn't, and I was Jewish and couldn't. So I knew that was a barrier, but it didn't really stop me from getting to know her. So you were, you were Jewish and you couldn't believe in Jesus. Exactly. Let's, I mean, I, the other part of the story that I kind of left out is I second through sixth grade, I went to the Hebrew Academy in Lubavitch, which was an Orthodox school. So maybe that gives a little more explanation for the Orthodox bar mitzvah. But you know, that's the one thing I learned. You can be anything you want, but you can't believe in Jesus. That's basically the message. And I didn't really know why, you know, you hear things growing up Jewish, like, well, if Jesus is the Messiah, there's peace on earth and there's not peace on earth, you know, things like that kind of things you learn as a kid and you don't question its source. Um, but that's the one thing I knew I couldn't do. The, the idea of marrying somebody who wasn't Jewish didn't come to the same, same barrier. Is that right? From my perspective? No. Yeah, it didn't. Victoria, where do you, where do you jump in here? Well, I mean, I was, I was a new believer, so I had like got saved and then I met these people and then but when I met these Christians at Cal Poly, then I moved to Southern California with another like it was like there were churches everywhere, little small churches. They were like house churches. Mm-hmm. But the big um so when I went, I mean I was still a pretty new believer. And even when I met Mike, I was pretty new believer. Okay. Um so you're working for Bank of America. You're going working part-time at the water slide. Right. This was summer. It was starting yeah. summer. And I was just, 
about ready to transfer and I had just got my acceptance to Cal Poly Pomona. So, and then I met him. I mean, for me, I mean, the struggle was definitely with my church and just the strictness of it. And then, um, so there was just a point where maybe we should be together. And I just was like, well, the only way I could be with you is if I married you because I'll get like, ex- you know, my church will kick me out. and <laughs> I live with like the elders and they'll kick me out and, you know, I can't be your boyfriend. I mean, I can't be your girlfriend and I can't, you know, date you. Was there anything so about just, him, him being Jewish that, that created a well, problem or is it more that he wasn't a believer mind, in Jesus? Fine. Just thought, yeah. In my mind, I just felt like, well, it's the same God and he believes in the new, te- he believes in the old Testament and I believe in the new and it's, it's fine. Like we'll just teach, you know, we'll just teach each other. And I don't know. It was just kind of. But from your, I mean, the, the church leadership, they had a problem that I was a non-Christian. It wasn't so right. much that I was Jewish. It just was a non-Christian. Right. So yeah, we and, met, so we met married in two months, less than two months. We got met on May 31st, married July 25th. We eloped to Las Vegas. Wait, 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 wait. Boom. Boom. You meet, Boom. Two months later, you get married. Correct. Correct. And you go up to Las Vegas to get married. Yeah, two, and that was weird two in the, too. Two in, the, two in the morning. Okay, I'm going to sit back and let you go ahead and tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we just, you know, like we said, talked and talked and developed this relationship. And, you know, again, what Victoria said of if I, if I marry, I can't, I can't be with you unless we're married because from her perspective, you know, once she's married, her, her church wouldn't, wouldn't advocate divorce because God Mm -hmm. doesn't, you know, God hates divorce. So that was her way to sort of change the leadership over her. I didn't know that till later. So um, she basically at one point said, look, I can't be with you anymore. I can't see you. She quit her job at the water slide. um, And her elders said, look, you got to, break it clean off. That was on a Wednesday. And I wrote her a letter and I delivered it, put it on her windshield at Bank of America saying, I need to be with you. And, you know, it was in that letter that I said, look, I'll even convert to be with you, not really knowing what that meant, but I put it in there thinking that would be a way. And she came to me that, so that was Wednesday, like on Saturday and said, let's, I was working at the golf you know, miniature golf. And she said, let's go get married. I said, okay. So I told my boss I wasn't feeling well and I left work and my best friend worked with me. So he gave me a little uh, plastic ring from the ski ball prizes. And uh, we, I went home, changed uh, right as we were leaving. My parents came home, they were out somewhere and said, uh, you know, I said, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. I'll be back later. And I just left and called them from the road. You know, this was before cell phones. And said, yeah, they had never met, really met me, like maybe once or seen me maybe. But they, yeah, they had no idea what was about to happen. <laughs> so I, um, you know, called, we stopped halfway and made calls just to let the people know that we weren't be home so they wouldn't worry. And we drove straight to the first wedding chapel we saw it's called the candlelight wedding chapel right across the street from circus circus we went in there and they said oh do you have a marriage license no oh you need to go get one and we're thinking it's like two in the morning oh no they're open 24 hours so we drove down got the marriage license came back and um 
got married. I mean, that was, I think it was like $95, you know, total. You know, they said, do you want music? Because that was extra. No. Do you want flowers? I mean, it was 2.30 in the morning. So, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, one of the reasons we did that, because Victoria said she didn't want to get two separate rooms and we couldn't have one room unless we were married. So again, I was gung ho. So, (laughs) (laughs) so we, we got married and, and, uh, the first thing she said to me after we left the wedding chapel, do you want to tell them what, what you told me? Well, I mean, I was just like, oh, I mean, and then remember, so let me pepper in this whole thing that like sure. he got a speeding ticket and I was stress gagging <laughs> the whole you got, time. Wait, 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 wait. You got a speeding ticket driving to Vegas yes. to get married? <laughs> okay. And he was like an older guy. He was like, it was, I want to say he was just like this angel because he I said oh we're going to get married and he's like well you guys you don't want to go get married with like tubes and stuff you know coming out of your bodies you got to slow down you know like be careful you're going too fast and he was just like a really sweet man and he gave us the ticket and then but the whole time yeah I'm like stress gagging because that's what I do it's my little thing that I do when I get super stressed I gag so that was happening and I'm in the bathroom going, what is happening? What am I doing? And um, yeah, so we walked out and I just said, yeah, divorce isn't an option. Like this is the thing. This is it. Like you have to make this work no matter what. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I get that. And so, you know, I called my parents the next day and my mom's like, oh, how fun. Like, what's your new last name? Because my mom and dad met and married in two weeks. Um, And my grandparents met and married in two days. They sat on a Greyhound bus. They got on together and then got off, got married and got back on. So it's kind of this weird thing in my family with two. Mm. I don't know about my other kids. My other kids, I have two kids. I think they did two years. So that's the only special two Anyways, so, um, yeah. And then his mom, you can go ahead and say what your mom said, Mike. So yeah, I called her the next day and said, I got married. And she said, to who? No, first she said, without me. And then I said, yes. And she said, to who? And I said, Victoria. And she had only met her once. We never really dated. It wasn't like, this is Victoria. This is my girlfriend. We're dating. It was just, this is a friend from work. Um, And, you know, so we spent a couple days in Vegas and drove home and my parents took us to Costco and got us all the dishes and, you know, all the house stuff and started to meet some of the family. And, you know, we, we had a party at my house, my parents' house. Well, let me just back up a tiny bit. So when we got home, when we got to his parents' house, um, his aunt and uncle were there And his aunt came up to me and she said, welcome to the family. If you want to go to church with me on Sunday, um, you can come with me. We go to like Magnolia Baptist in Anaheim. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I didn't realize like, I guess his uncle was, so his mom's brother was Messianic and had gone to like Jews for Jesus. They'd gone to some events with Jews for Jesus. And so it's his aunt and uncle and then their four kids, and they were all messianic believers. Did and I don't Mike, know why why we didn't. I don't know if I didn't know that, Mike. I feel like I didn't know that. 
or maybe you didn't understand it all. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I knew my uncle, aunt and uncle were Christian. When I was growing up, I would go over there. They lived less than a mile from my house, so I spent a lot of time with my cousins. I went to church with them, you know, a couple times, but, and again, this is something I found out much later that my parents made a directive to my aunt and uncle that if they were ever to share about Jesus to my brother and I, that we wouldn't be able to go over later. So I never really heard it from them other than just spending time with them. And again, going to church a couple of times, if they were maybe watching me over the weekend, but, um, so your mom's Jewish and her brother's a believer in Jesus. And, right. and they'd already made a, a directive to him and his wife that they shouldn't talk to you about their faith. Exactly. Right. So this plays out now. You bring Victoria home and all of a sudden there's, there's a, an ex, a family connection you hadn't anticipated, I gather. Right. Did that surprise you that they, they embraced Victoria so quickly and all of a sudden there's a, a bond there? They being my aunt and uncle? Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone embraced Victoria, even including <laughs> my, including my parents, but okay. yeah, yeah, his my, mom ended up, his mom ended up being my best friend. Um, I was going to school to be a teacher and she was a counselor. And so I ended up working under her at her high oh, school. Okay. And so be, I mean, for years, I mean, um, and I shared with her, um, she just really just didn't want to lose any of the Judaism that was just so important to her. And so I, I was, I honored that as we had kids, I let them go to Jewish preschool and they still went to church on Sunday and we had all the Jewish holidays. Cause I just didn't want to, I didn't want to lose any of the Judaism. I never, I never wanted to lose it. And I knew that I could still have it. So you're, after you're both married, and you've begun to relate to the people that you knew before you were married two months before. Um, and um, you've got a whole new identity as a couple and you looked at each other and, and did, did you, how did you experience uh, uh, spiritual differences between you? I would go to church on Sunday and then Mike, I asked him to go, but, he didn't always want to go, but when he did go, it was fine. And then he started kind of hanging out with the pastor who was a golfer and they would just golf together. And, um, you know, we would just go to events there. Um, but I never, I never pressured him to go. And then there was like a women's retreat and I went to the women's retreat and it was, um, Deborah Smalley. And she said to me, can you tell me why you're married to a non-Christian? And I'm like, well, I mean, it just kind of happened. And I just was, you know, a newer believer and it's a long story. And she's like, yeah, my roommate's involved with Juice for Jesus and you need to call them when you get home. And I said, okay. I mean, this is like the speaker just casually stopping by my table to talk to me while we're eating a meal. And I said, okay. Um, so he had been going to church and, you know, I never pressured him and I, I honored all the Jewish holidays with his family and I would go to temple with them. The temple wasn't as, um, there were as many weekly demands as much. I think they had the high holy days. So it's like once a year. So so by the way, this, this was seven years into our marriage when Victoria had that conversation with the woman from the women's retreat. So I had been okay. going to church for about seven years. 
Okay, and, that's, that's an important picture. But I want to get this this idea. Um, that's really a, a important to see. For seven years, you're married, starting to raise a family. You got two boys, right? And you're thinking about. I'm assuming you're thinking about how are we going to give them um, a religious culture, a spiritual culture. We're coming from two different worlds, Mike. You're playing golf with a pastor, and and how often we. Were you going to church and why were you going to church? I mean, I think I went, we went pretty regularly. Like we were involved in like a young marrieds couple that was led by one of the elders. And um, I, I mean, my recollection is it was probably at least every week, at, if not at least a couple times a month. And the, I went because, you know, it was important to Victoria. By the way, my uncle who was a Christian was an elder at the church. So I had the connection there too of my cousins and it felt familiar. We knew a lot of people, you know, people I kind of grew up with friends and stuff. So there was a, at least a um, relational connection there. But, you know, when I was going to the church, you know, I, I would listen to the messages and I would try to apply what I learned to be a good person, but I just didn't have that connection of, Jesus was the Messiah. So the messages I was hearing was, I wasn't offended by them. I would just apply it in my own way of, okay, I'm going to be a good person. Like Jesus taught, I'm just not going to take that extra step. I don't need, you know, I don't need this as a, as a, a crotch or, you know, and I would have, um, you know, play golf with the pastor and we'd go to breakfast and he would bring it up and I would shut him down immediately. And he was, you know, patient and, you know, still would ask me the next time. And, you know, I maybe did that like five or six times over the years, but, um, you know, he was patient with me. So did it help you? I think there's something here that, that would, would be important to note. And that is anytime we get into a conversation about something that's culturally outside of our, our frame of reference, it helps to have somebody or something that helps us to know that the situation is safe. And with your uncle, involved in that church did that give you a sense of of being safe hey i can be jewish i can be here um nobody's going to jump on me or judge me by just being here did that help at all you had a relative there that you you trusted and cared for and knew was caring for you i mean i would have to say yes i mean i don't know any other way i never experienced being shunned if that happens or going to a church and why are you here if you're jewish you know that sort of thing i never got that reaction from going to the church. So I don't, if that happens, I didn't experience that. I never. Very often somebody who's Jewish going to a church assumes I'm, I'm not really welcome. Not, not that they'd be shunned, but you know, they have their culture and I have mine and they're going to, they're going to keep coming after me. And yet um, uh, you were comfortable there. And I think that is the, that's the unusual picture at a church where um, you come in from a, a different culture, Jewish culture in particular, and um, you're just accepted as as Victoria's husband and father of the family. And there's there's no pressure or judgment on you. If anything, you're you're brought in and, and you feel safe as a Jewish person in that setting. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I felt safe, you know. Although thinking back, you know, when everyone bowed their head to pray, I didn't, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like people got baptized, I would not pay attention, you know, I wouldn't sing the song. So, you know, I wasn't fully engaged, but yeah, I definitely felt comfortable being there. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. That yeah. You could, you could 
be in a place, assent or, or hold yourself apart from the ordinary practices, but being respectful for, for what they're doing, but never feeling like somebody's saying, hey, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? Or you ought to do this. But exactly. just you, you were welcome and it was an easy, safe environment for you. That's a big deal. Yeah, well, I agree. And I think, you know, we were fortunate to be led to that particular place, not only with the connection, but with the people that were there. You know, they just took us in and loved us. What brought about the change that, yeah, what happened? Well, I think, so when I came back from, when I came back from the retreat, I called Jews for Jesus and I just said, hey, this is, you know, I'm married to a Jewish man and kind of just explained the situation. And then, um, so uh, Rob, I won't say his name, Rob called and he said, you know, he talked to me for a long time and he said, do you care if I call him? And I, so I called, I think I checked with you, Mike, and said, do you, do you care if he calls? And he was willing to call. And so, I mean, Rob reached out um, to him and just started meeting with him at lunch. And I mean, Mike was willing to do it, I think, what, once a week, Mike? Once yeah, every, something, yeah, once a week like for that. a year, probably. Because I remember the next time I went to the retreat, I don't know if it was a year later or two years later, probably a year later, um, there was a point where, we, you know, before I went back to the retreat, but we were in the car and he just said, you know, I would say that I'm a Christian. And I said, what? <laughs> and the kids were in the back. The boys were little. He said, yeah, I, I mean, my heart, I believe it. You know, my mind, like it's all, you know, I believe that he is the Messiah. I believe it in my heart and I believe it in my mind and I believe to be. And I remember, I knew like, you know, and there was a change. I mean, I knew the first time that we would pray and he'd let me pray. And there's a Jewish prayer that I would pray the Shema. And I knew that he taught that to me, but. The prayer there was a point. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yeah, I remember like him. And when he prayed, he just said, I just specifically remember hearing him say, when the minute he said, Lord, I was like, oh, okay. Like he has made Jesus Lord of his life. Like he, he has done, that is completed. That's, you know, that's, um, that was what needed to happen, the reconciliation of his heart and his mind, because he kind of just couldn't get those together. So when he told me, I, of course, called his aunt, and his aunt, of course, called Uncle Eddie, who was in a elders meeting, and it was just a very joyful, like, rejoicing, you know, that he had sat in church for seven years and that he had given his life over to God. Now, you have to understand, like, Mike's just a great guy. So it's hard for great guys who just do the right thing all the time. And I mean, I'm not saying that he's perfect. I'm just saying he's a great guy. It's hard for them to see a need for, for Yeshua or Christ. You know, it's hard for them. But I'm so thankful that he did, that he did see his need. Because it's easy to just be a good person and be like, yeah, I'm a good person. So I'm super thankful for that. So there was a point where I did go back to the retreat and she was the speaker again. And I was like, oh, I have to tell you. And I told her. And she's like, I just got goosebumps. That's going to be in my newsletter. So she like wrote it in her newsletter. She was very 
Um, and it was just a passing conversation of her just sharing. And I'm so thankful for Jesus for Jesus and the faithfulness of them, you know, meeting with him. And um, it was a different, it was something that I couldn't do. Uh, you know, I think definitely going to church seven years opened, you know, I don't want to say it It made believing in Jesus easier because that was just, again, so ingrained to me. But I, I can say when I started meeting with Rob, the way he interacted with me and the, you know, I started asking questions that I had, you know, oh, if Jesus is a Messiah, where's, why is there not peace on earth? And, you know, he kind of challenged and, and, and led me and taught me why what I heard wasn't necessarily true. And so it, he shared with me the gospel in a way that I had never heard it. And to me, it felt personal to me where in every other time that someone had shared it, the gospel with me, it's like, Oh, if you don't, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. And you know, every, every kind of testimony I'd heard people were down and out. They were, you know, on hit rock bottom. And I'm like, yeah, I could see why you would need Jesus, but I've, I've always been, you know, victorious as a good guy. I was a boy scout. I didn't, you know, I played sports in high school. I never got in alcohol or drugs. I, you know, went to I school. I mean, he I, still is a boy scout. Let's just keep so that yeah, I, I did. I did. I didn't see the personal need. So the Rob, you know, being Jewish, he was able to relate to me more on that level and kind of relate the gospel in a way that was unique. And I had never heard it before. And, and, you know, he had that credibility of being Jewish where other people that I have ever had ever talked to before that time, I could always say like, eh, you just don't know what you're talking about. You know, there was that now with Rob, I couldn't do that because he was Jewish. And so I, that kind of took away that um, excuse. And um, it was a private time. I was reading the Bible on my own and I went through, it was in Luke where it's the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Because at one point I, you know, Rob was making too much sense. And I just said, look, why is it so mystical? Like Isaiah 53, it's like parable and if it's, if Jesus is the Messiah, why doesn't it just say Jesus is the Messiah? And Rob showed me Luke, the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And I, the Lord led me to that. And the, the, the story is, you know, um, Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man basically sees Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. And he says, Lord, send him back to tell my family that Jesus is the Messiah. And the response is they have Moses and the prophets. If they don't believe that, they're not going to believe someone coming back from the dead. And my description is, you know, like the scales fell from my eyes. I had instant recognition that everything I had heard up to that point was true. And so, so my conclusion was, even if the Bible did say Jesus is the Messiah, I still would make an excuse. So it was just looking for that perfect answer. And the perfect answer had already been shown to me. And so, you know, I think at the time, you know, I think even Victoria said, like, did you just pray? I'm like, oh, no, you know, I kind of like was startled. And, you know, she tells a story of in the car. So I don't know how many days later it was. But so that was, you know, maybe uh, five or six months after meeting with Rob. And he continued to meet with me and disciple me. And, you know, that's one of the other things I really appreciate about the ministry is they don't pray and then just push you off. And, you know, it's, it wasn't just a number. I was, you know, someone that 
discipled and led and kind of strengthened my faith. So, um, so we lost Mike's parents in 2007 and it was a really, really difficult time. We lost him in a car accident and, um, that was the summer, the first summer that my kids and I actually helped out at camp and it was amazing. Um, you talk about our involvement with Jews for Jesus. It's amazing that um, what God took away with this left, he gave twofold with his right hand because the Jews for Jesus community really came up beside us. And my sons had, you know, aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and cousins in Christ and, you know, grandmas and grandpas. I mean, it's just such a family. And I'm so thankful for that. And my son, um, my one son, he met his um, wife at camp and they were 10 and 12, I think, something like that. And we're just, I mean, Jews for Jesus like has given us so much more than we've ever given them. (laughs) And we're so thankful. And my other son, um, they both went to Biola. He met his wife and um, her family's involved with um, Salvation Army, who's a nice connection with Jews for Jesus and a real love for Israel. And it's just been so nice. I'm especially grateful for you um, today because your story is going to have an impact, I think, on on a lot of folks who, who for whatever reason, end up together knowing that, that um, one is a believer, one is not is part of traditional Jewish culture or even Judaism, and they're looking at the the struggles um, that they're having for all kinds of reasons on both sides, and and you two are are a terrific example that that it's possible to find spiritual harmony in spite of all the the difficulties, the cultural difficulties, um, the community difficulties, the family. Um, re- restrictions that you grow up with and the cultural restrictions that go with that, that, that you're able to, by the, by the goodness of God, find a real spiritual harmony and, and the transformation that comes from that together. So I'm really grateful for you taking the time to tell the story. See what I mean about a bit of a romantic comedy? I think Mike and Victoria's story illustrates that a passionate romance doesn't have to end in cold disappointment. 27 years they've been together, and they've illustrated that love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't seek its own way, but it rejoices in truth, and it never fails. God is the one that brings people first to himself in a relationship, and then in a deeper spiritual harmony with one another. Well, thanks for being with us. This is He Said, Then She Said, a series of conversations with everyday Jewish Gentile couples from around the world. And if you or someone you know would like support in an interfaith Jewish Gentile relationship, you can reach out to me by email. The address is tuvia, T-U-V-Y-A, at jewishgentilecouples.com. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, shalom. Shalom.